With money, college, career, and mental health becoming more important than ever, we decide to take action. I'm Arna. And I'm Pravar. And we're so glad that you're joining us on our journey with Money Made Easy as we open our minds from personal finance to career exploration to entrepreneurship skills. And if you like this episode, please leave a review on any listening platform. Now to the interview. As all of you guys know, we can never get enough of personal finances, and it's the backbone to every individual's financial success. Today, we have Maggie Clockengay, who is an experienced financial planner for many who are struggling with building long-term wealth. Not only that, her journey to becoming one was filled with many learning experiences that led her to becoming who she is today. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you so much, guys. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited too. And it's so cool that you're also interested in the same space as us in terms of personal finances. Obviously, you're a lot more experienced than us, but we would like to we would like to know what got you first interested in financial in this financial world. Yeah. So first of all, I mean, kudos to you guys for being interested and doing this podcast and just putting information out there because the biggest thing is just getting awareness because so often. We don't know what we don't know until we hear something. And they were like, I need to learn more of that. So for me, um, my journey in finance started as a bank teller in high school. I was a bank teller in high school and college. And I really enjoyed doing that. I really liked working with people's money. But I thought, okay, I think I want to move beyond just, you know, being the bank teller, which is absolutely great job. Uh, but I just want to see what else was out there. And so when I was looking at college, my parents said, well, why don't you think about accounting? Because accounting is the international language of business. You really can do anything with it. So I did that and I ended up going, I'm, I guess, one of the anomalies where I went to college with a major in accounting, stuck to my major, graduated in four years, and I sat for the CPA exam right before I took my final exams my senior year. Um, and I did public accounting. I worked in public accounting firms, first in audit um, for one of the, it was big six or big four at the time, and then was doing audit and then moved to taxes. And I really enjoyed taxes. When I was in school, in college, I only took one tax class, but I really liked it. I don't know if it was just the numbers and everything adding up. Um, so just... For those of you, if you're taking any kind of finance courses or accounting courses, and you really find yourself leaning forward on something, keep following that intuition because it's going to serve you well. So then I, you know, was working at public accounting, and they had asked me to really work with people in professional record keeping. And so we were serving our clients, and I headed up a group within our wealth management department at my firm that I was at. But I really wanted to help people more than just with taxes. So besides the professional record keeping, I was still preparing, reviewing taxes for high net worth individuals. And it got pretty technical and kind of boring, to be honest, because there's, you know, there's just, it gets really, really into the weeds. So when I decided to, I saw a couple other people who were leaving my accounting firm and going over to an investment advisory firm, literally down the street of two blocks down the street. And I thought, maybe I should look into that. So I looked into it, ended up joining that firm. And I really loved this comprehensive financial planning. So when I say comprehensive financial planning, it's not just investment management. That's what a lot of people think. 
um, when you're first looking at, you know, talking about to maybe a financial advisor. So it might be managing their investments, but it's also cash flow planning, which we can talk about in a little bit. That's what I really delve into. It's estate planning. You may not be preparing the estate documents, but you're um, having, you're reviewing them and seeing, hey, should these be updated? Can we connect you with an estate planning attorney? It's retirement planning. Can you retire? When can you retire? How much do you need to retire? So there's all these pieces in comprehensive financial planning that are in addition to tax planning. And so when I ended up at that firm, I really enjoyed it. What happened was we, um, the team that I was with, we kind of formed our own independent RIA and then left that firm and then continued to work with these clients. Um, the clients who I was working with, they were at retirement or near retirement, wonderful people, salt of the earth. But what I was seeing was that there were their adult children coming to us and they were saying, hey, we would like some help too. We have daycare costs. We have child, you know, children. We have mortgage payments. We have all these things and we don't know what to tackle first or do we tackle them at the same time? There's so many different dynamics. And for me, I really wanted to help people in that level. And another key piece in comprehensive financial planning and in retirement planning is you will ask, okay, so how much do you think you'll spend in retirement? Well, if you don't even know how much you're spending right now, then it's going to be difficult to talk with a financial planner to say, this is how much I'll need in retirement. So now that's when I launched my own firm, Make a Money Mind Shift. And it's really working with my clients' cash flow first and say, and sharing with them why we do the things we do with our money. And then because of sharing that information, it provides them awareness. That awareness then can impact their thoughts, which can impact their behaviors. So then they're changing what they're doing so that they're bettering their financial futures. So that's how that's how I come, came to be where I am now. I think that's really important, especially what you're talking about awareness, because I think that is something that we're really advocating for too. And that's the reason why we have our podcast too. And that's why we started as well. Because we really want, especially the younger generation, we want them to know early on, like you said, they don't really know what to do. And like you said, with Make a Money Mind Shift, uh, you sort of, it, you know, enrich that awareness within people. And that is what, you know, start, starts, you know, gets the ball rolling with financial planning. Um, and as you were talking about, you know, comprehensive retirement planning, there's obviously like a lot of different aspects to it. So how do you really get into the financial planner space? Like if you want it as a career, what kind of credentials, what kind of experience do you need for someone that aspires to be a financial planner? Yeah, great question. So there's a lot of different avenues. So I am a certified financial planner, which means I took the CFP exam and I also had to have a number of hours of experience, like thousands of hours of experience working with individuals on this. Um, so the CFP designation is one way. There are many colleges and universities who have CFP programs. And so it may be getting your master's in financial planning. And so you can go to cfp.net and you can go ahead and look for CFP board approved programs to then, and those will dive into the different parts of the CFP exam and really prepare you for the exam. Um, 
another piece that I want to do a little shout out to is not every person wants to necessarily work on with investments. And so there's another organization, the AFCPE, where you can get the AFC designation. That's the Accredited Financial Counselor. So it may be where you are helping to educate individuals and families in that space. And it may not be to, let me say, you're as you're not really um, managing investments at all. You're not giving recommendations on investments, but you can educate them on just different investment vehicles, just again, giving them that knowledge. So that's a different piece where somebody may feel a little bit more of a pull to say, maybe I wanna go work for a nonprofit or work at a bank where I can be a financial wellness counselor. That's where maybe an AFC would be incredibly beneficial. So there's different avenues. It's just, again, where you're feeling that pull. Um, the AFC PE, they have their own they have their own uh, learning program for getting the designation. So it's not like the CFP board has multiple like universities where you can go at the AFCPE, it's just through their own um, organization. So that's great to know that you can take the CFP exam and you need a lot of hours to, you know, get into the space. And there's also alternatives where, you know what, if you're not really interested in the investment side, you can go to the AFCPE, do something that maybe it's tailored towards your heart with the nonprofit. It's really great to know that financial planners don't always have to be serving people who, you know, just want to just build their wealth. Obviously, it's a very great thing to do to help them out. Yeah. But there's other avenues that you can go to. So I'm wondering now, once you've maybe taken this exam, you've got the experience, how can someone go on and get their first client? And how can they potentially even build a brand on their own? So honestly, my recommendation would not necessarily go out on your own first. And here's why. We all know that you can go and, and learn by the book, textbook, right? And learn what you should be doing, but then to actually get the experience. And, and again, so if you have the experience hours, probably you maybe have already been working in a financial advisory firm. So if that's the case, but if, if you haven't yet, I would say definitely like, Go be, you can become a para planner, you can become an operations specialist where you're literally learning from the ground up everything you need. You're doing trades, you're doing all these things to work with um, within a team. Once you've gotten the experience and you really maybe see, you know what, I really would like to do something on my own. So for me, it was, I really wanted to help people share with them that psychology piece first. And I really didn't see that space so much. Um, then it's looking and saying, okay, if I want to start my own financial advisory firm where, you know, I need to have compliance, there needs to be, you are the chief everything officer. So I need to have compliance if I'm going to be a state registered investment advisor. Um, I'm going to need maybe different back office support if I don't want to do it myself. So one of the um, renowned organizations in this space is XY Planning Network. The reason why they were started by Michael Kitsis and Alan Moore is because they saw a place where that industry could be disrupted and saying, look, we can help generations X and Y and even younger because not every person has assets to manage. In the past, the financial planning model was based on AUM or assets under management. And that's how clients would be billed. But if you don't have assets to manage, then how do you build somebody? So what XY Planning Network set out to do was say, let's first of all, provide resources for other financial planners who would like to help 
younger generations who may want financial planning services, they may just not have the assets. So it may be that you are charging on a monthly retainer model, like a subscription model, or maybe it's just a fixed annual fee. Um, so you, that's one of the things that XY Planning Network advocates. And then they do offer a monthly subscription for their advisors, which I'm a part of. So I get compliance support. I receive a discount on multiple different um, technology service providers. And so it's kind of like a little one-stop shop. So you can then go and set up your own investment advisory firm. And then, you know, at least you've got that back office support. Not to mention um, the XY Planning Network, I think there's 16 to 1800 advisors throughout the United States. And so we can always connect with each other. I'm always talking to other advisors um, and it's just great to have that community. So what I find really great is that the financial planning space has expanded for people who may not have, you know, as you mentioned, those assets that previously were needed or required uh, for financial planning. Uh, because even now we see how important it is to have your finances under control. Even as a, you know, as a graduate, just graduated out of college, you're earning your first income, you get your first paycheck. What do I do with that money? Uh, you know, knowing what to do with that money is so important now. And you know, it's really important that we have financial planners and people who can advise what to do with that. And I think that's really important. So um, my question was. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, I guess this is like a two part answer for you, um, because you've worked as like for a different company as a financial coach, correct? Um, and actually you... as a financial planner. So I ever this okay. was this was my first foray into the financial coaching is mm -hmm. so interestingly enough, we're all financial coaches, financial mm -hmm. planners, you get so much of a personal piece. As a financial planner, they your clients are sharing so much with you but I wanted to separate out what it is that I'm doing because so often what I was seeing was people didn't have essentially their cash flow ducks in a row. You know, I have t-shirts that say, do you know where your money is going? And people will stop me on the street and say, I don't know where my money is going. And so that's really what I wanted to do. So I was in the financial and I still do financial planning, but I was a financial planner at two firms well, and then it was one and then it, we went and formed another group and that's when I left and then became um, a financial planner. I'm also a financial coach for Finance Fix. That is a program that um, Jean Chatsky of Her Money Media had started in January, 2021. And that is a program where she's also has a set program in teaching you know, answering, figuring out the data points. What is, you know, where is your money going? And then working on the emotions. So we, I do it a little bit opposite, but I also work in that space as well for that particular program as a coach. So uh, if you're a financial planner, it's more personal to the client and a financial coach is more advice related and not, I, I just wanted to know a little bit more what's yeah. like between the two. It's the exact, so it's, it's actually the opposite. So if you think of it this way, Financial coach is really delving into the nitty gritty details of exactly what you just said or not, that you are, you just graduated, you just got your first paycheck, where should every dollar be going, right? So are you setting up, do you have money already automatically setting up for us into a savings account? If not, let's go ahead and get you set, you know, get that set up. Versus financial planning is really more for long-term goals. There's going to be some short-term goals, maybe like some a vacation every year, or maybe it's setting up to buy a house in a few years. 
but it's not getting into those day-to-day nitty-gritty details. So that's where really a financial coach can really help you with that piece. So so if you think of it this way, you're coaching on the day-to-day, yay, raw. The planning is planning for the future. Okay. All right. That makes much more sense now. Um, so as, uh, you know, as a financial planner that you started, um, what, what is your like day in the life as a financial planner? What, what do you do? What, how do you work for your clients? Like, what does that work work like? Yeah. So it depends. So I mean, every day is different. Um, so right now, as I'm working with my coaching clients, uh, so I had a couple sessions today where we were going over a spreadsheet where we're going literally for their cash flow, the th- last three months of their um, bank statements and credit card statements. They did this as homework. They entered this in. This is not something that necessarily you may see a financial planner do, again, because I'm delving into the details. Um, so that might be where I'm doing a couple of coaching sessions. We're talking about, I'm talking with my clients about how are they feeling about things? When they're doing this specific spreadsheet, if you guys can think about it, if you're looking at the last three months of your, you know, what you've spent your money on, your jaw may drop a little bit, or you you just think, wait, what? Did I spend how much on DoorDash? Like it's kind of crazy. The financial planning, because I do have some financial planning clients as well, it may be where I'm working with them on a couple pieces of financial planning. So, like I said before, it's investments, it's retirement, it's tax planning, it can be philanthropic planning, cash flow. There's so many different pieces. I never like to overwhelm my clients. So if I'm working with one of my financial planning clients, it might be two. So maybe that we're talking investment planning and retirement planning. So maybe I am working with a client, they've already given me their information and I'm saying, okay, based on what I know, like how much risk you wanna take and take a look at all your investments, here's what I would recommend. You may want to make these changes. And then for retirement, you know now that you want this to spend this much money per month in retirement, how much do you need to set aside every year in order to get there? So as far as a day in life, it always is different, which is one of the reasons why I do like having my own firm because it just kind of changes up and, and you just roll with the punches. But um, a lot of it, there's also a lot of networking that I do as well as continuing education, but the networking is also because the coaching clients that I receive, some, I receive a lot of referrals from other financial planners. And what they see is they may see a prospect come to them and say, okay, this person kind of, they need some help with cash flow first. They may need help with a budget. Maggie can help them first. And then we want to work with them. So then what they do is introduce me to their, that prospect, the prospect of interest starts working with me. And then I pass the baton back to the financial planner as we're wrapping up our pa- our coaching package. So it really depends, which it's, it's that part's fun because you just, you don't know, you may have a set, like set idea of how the day's going to go. And just like life, it just may change a little bit. So I sort of see now the importance of the community that you build with in the personal finance and the financial advisory space. I remember you talked about it before, how you're able to like contact people from across, you know, different industries and you can say, hey, I need a little bit of help with, you know, learning about, you know, maybe cash flow or, you know, investment planning. And it's kind of cool how you guys bounce off each other and you create a community that builds each other up and everyone succeeds. It's not where one person's fighting to get this prospect versus the other one. They're all, you know, intertwined. And it's very good that, you know, everyone gets to win in this. I really like that concept. 
So I kind of want to dive into a little bit with cash flow planning because I haven't really heard of that before. So with cash flow planning, obviously, as you talked about it, it's with has a lot to do with like the short term, how you're spending your money. So how would you advise someone with like cash flow? And what exactly do you want to see out of people? What do you want them to do and make sure that they, you know, are aware of so that way they can succeed in that short term wealth building? Yeah, great question. So um, the cash flow planning, it's really first looking at what just kind of what I talked about before. You're looking at back to see where you spent your money. Because that kind of, you know, gives the story of your money and where it's been going. But do you want it to still be going that way? Do you still want it to be going to DoorDash or Uber Eats? You know, if you don't, then what is it that's truly important to you? So like when I'm working with my clients and I'm sharing with them why we do the things we do with our money, I'm actually talking to them first about our emotions and money. Because, emo you know, money is so highly emotional that so very often people may buffer or they don't want to feel emotions. So what do they do? They go on Amazon and go buy something. Or they just go on the internet and buy something. And then when they go to look back at, at where, where they spent their money, then they feel guilt and shame. So when they're looking back at their money and how much they've spent over the last three months, they may feel this guilt and shame. So I work with my clients first to say, hey, it's okay. This is kind of why we may have been doing the things we're doing. If you want to change, let me ask you some really detailed questions that I feel really drilled down to succinctly into what's truly important to you, what you value. And from there, now let's start to look at our numbers. So one of the things that financial advisors in the past have gotten a really bad rap basically because you have to be qualified to have a certain amount of assets in order to talk, you know, to work with them. And personally, I can't stand that because everybody needs help with money. It doesn't matter who it is, how much they have. It doesn't matter if they have a dollar in their bank account or if they're overdrafted. Like it just, everybody needs help. So it's really kind of looking at your past first because so often we're just going through life, just doing exactly what we've always been doing. That's our brains are very efficient. They're going to get from point A to point B the quickest way. And you know how that is. It's autopilot. It's what we've always done, just like riding a bike. So we're working first to say, okay, let's look back. Where was your money going? Do you want it to change? And if you want it to change, what do you want it to go to? And if you want to go somewhere else, let's work on how it's going to get there. So it may just be going online to say bankrate.com or gobankingrates.com and looking up high yield savings accounts. So as the Fed is increasing interest rates right now, the interest rates are getting better on savings accounts. I know so many people who have said, oh, but Maggie, it's, it's not that great. Well, it was better than it was you know, last year. The interest rates are at least rising a bit. But that's where you can go ahead and open a savings account and set up an automatic transfer. So when Arnav said, hey, I went and just got paid, you know, what's one of the first things I should do? Remove the human behavior that is inside us that is tempting you to go spend that money and set up an automatic transfer so that you have a piece of that paycheck automatically going into an account. And typically a high yield savings account, which is an online, you know, usually they're online banks. You can't get to it just as quickly as say you're at Bank of America and you literally toggle on and off a transfer from your savings to your checking, right? That's way too easy. So you set up a separate account. It's going to be a little bit harder to get to. It gives you that automatic pause. So then when you're saying, oh, I really wanted, then I'm thinking of my boys right now, the next Pokemon cards or whatever it is, 
you got to wait. You got to wait a little bit. So, so that's where when I'm talking cash flow planning, it's really putting together like where, you know, why we do those things. And then how are we going to get to making those changes? And then going forward, setting up, okay, here's here's what you're going to keep doing to make sure that you're going to work towards it, what you truly want. So like I'm putting together a cash flow plan for my clients. And it spells out those things like you're setting up this this automatic transfer. You're going ahead and I'll give them a debt calendar. So one tool that I use that's free that any anybody can go to is powerpay.org. It's a fantastic calculator by the Utah State University Extension. And you can put in all of your debts. You can figure out if you want the, to have it paid off lowest balance first, highest interest rate first, just as how you enter the debts. And it will give you what I like to call the light at the end of that debt tunnel. So when you're opening envelopes or you're getting that email saying you have another payment and you're thinking, when is this ever going to end? You can put those debts in and you can figure out pretty quickly how, you know, when it's going to end. And the reason why it's called power pay is you can put in, say, a power payment of $20 per month extra. And you it will automatically figure if it's on lowest balance first or highest interest rate, it will figure out where that payment will go. And then it will just keep calculating it until it shows you, again, when all those debts will be paid off. So those are, those are just some pieces of how the cash flow planning that I do works. I absolutely love the tools that you're talking about with cash flow planning. But what I love even more about what you're doing, Maggie, is how you're able to build so much trust into these people to buy into what you're saying. How are you able to tell someone to make such important decisions with their money and get them to believe in you? You know, I think it's, there's just something inherently where I want to help. I'm always leaning forward to just offer a safe and confidential space. Like I have that listed on my website and I'm not in, I'm really not in this to, to take somebody down a, 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 the wrong path. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't behoove me. Like people will say, um, how do you charge people who have credit card debt? And you know, how, how are you okay with that? Because I, well, number one, I, I have a business and so I need to make money too. Number two, the service that I provide does have value. And number three, guess what? My client's going to spend money. However it is that that person wants to spend money, they need to decide where they place value. And if they decide that my service is valuable to them. So it's really, you know, when I first meet with a prospect, even on my they set up a connect with me call on my website. And the, you know, one of the first things I say when we get on the call is, you know, kudos to you for coming and for showing up because sometimes it is only what they can do is just to click on that connect with me and schedule the call. And that's all they can do. They don't show up and that's okay. I hold that space and I just know that they're doing the best that they can at the time. And it is what it is. They know where to find me. I mean, I just had, um, a prospect reached out to me, um, a sibling had reached out to me 11 months ago and said, I really want you to work with my sibling. And I said, that's great. I would love to work with your sibling, but your sibling has to want to work with me too. And I just got the, the call scheduled last month or I'm last week and we're going to start working together. So it just, you know, you, it's just being there to understand that everybody's starting line is at a different spot and that's okay. 
I think it kind of goes back to I, you know, the number, the amount of assets that you have or don't have. I don't care because we really need to first work on why you want to make changes, you know, and then and then from there, then we can start to make changes. And so I think people just trust me because of that because I'm not I'm not looking to get more assets under management or something like that. Yeah, and that's that's really very important. Uh, but something that I really wanted to ask you about was like when we started off uh, talking about personal finance, our community of you know high schoolers, college students, uh, it's a very difficult like uh, audience to reach out to, especially people who aren't making an income, right? Uh, so how would you, or in your experience, how have you sort of showed people that this is why personal finance or working with your personal finances are important. Or if you haven't really experienced that, how would you give advice to, I guess, younger people that, you know, working with your personal finances are important? Yeah, you know, and it is so hard because I know we're, we're always talking as financial planners, can we put this into high schools? So why don't we have the education? Some of the states are finally starting this. And here's, here's the biggest reason why it is so important for younger people to learn more. And that is because time is on your side. It costs less for you to start saving for your future and retirement, whatever that retirement is. If your financial independence retire early, which is the FIRE movement, if you want to do that and retire earlier, if you decide you want an encore retirement and you're doing something completely different, that's fine too. But Time is on your side as a young person. And so if you can start to just start to put money aside and then have that money be invested in growth, all of a sudden you, you're going to find that my investments are so much higher than if I'd started 10 years later. But I can tell you it's so difficult, right? Because I was young like you guys at one point and there's all this fun stuff. There's all this money you can spend. Like you just get your first paycheck. Of course, you're going to want to go spend it. And so if you can build that habit from the get-go and say, you know what, even if you're working, you know, say at Taco Bell uh, during high school, set aside like $10 per paycheck, just, just set aside a little bit. You know, you could also, there, there's so many different ways that you can almost like gamify it, right? Where you're like, okay, Maybe if I set aside, you know, $10 and maybe if I talk to my parents and say, hey, if I do this, can you match me like like a 401k? Lots of employers will match up to like they do these weird percentages. They do it based on behavior. So employers might say we will match 50 percent of the first six percent that you contribute. Why don't they just do three percent? Because they want you to actually contribute six percent and then they'll contribute three percent. So maybe if you say to your parents, hey, look you know, I'm, I've got this job, I will actually start saving, would you be willing to meet me like with a 50% contribution as well to my savings cap or to a Roth IRA? So there's different pieces that it can just be small. It doesn't have to be big chunks of money or anything where you just go, you know what, it's adding up quickly. And because of the amount of time, you don't have to do anything. You just put it in and set it and forget it. And it's fabulous. I absolutely love how you thought of that idea. I mean, in my head, when I'm going out, when I make money, like through whatever job I have, when I have it, I'm always thinking, okay, what do I spend it on in terms of what do I need to spend it on? I'm going to go out with my friends sometimes, going to go buy some stuff. And I never think about, you know, in my head, I always think, you know, I should save a little bit of money. But when 
I work like a minimum wage job and I get $50, $50 from like a four hour paycheck. I think $10 saving is not going to do anything at all. So I love how you thought of, you know, sort of having your own 401k where they match my parents match, however much I put in. So now if I want to save 20% of my income, I'm making, I'm saving $20 instead of $10 now. And now in my head, I'm like, you know what? I want to save even more. And that creates good habits. And that's, I think the fundamental thing with young people is that a, you have time to build good habits and B you have a lot more time to actually build even more wealth. If you start early on, I was trying to find in my notes, the specific term, but I know that a dollar today is worth a lot more than a dollar in the future. And the reason why it's important is that if you can make good use of your dollar now by investing it, by doing the good habits, you'll be able to make more effectiveness with compounding and you'll be able to succeed even more. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, compounding, that's compound interest. I think they, they call it the eighth wonder of the world. And it's really, it's because your money is making money on itself. That's basically what's happening. And so why wouldn't you want to put a little bit more money in to help that snowball get bigger and bigger and bigger? Instead, so often we hear about, you know, um, the snowball method that's, you know, paying your lowest balance off for credit card debt. But wouldn't you like it so the snowball is actually your savings and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because you're putting that money in. And so that is where compound interest is just money earning on itself. So one thing that caught my eye when you were talking about compounding was how you can use that snowball effect. You can use that physical snow or that metaphorical snowball to be your savings account. So I was sort of wondering, how would that work? Would that work in terms of like with your investments? How would that actually come to like, how would I be able to do that with my money? So really, so you can start this with just any bank account, but if you want to actually see the savings occur, you really want to get it out of say like your typical brick and mortar bank because the interest rates there are pretty paltry. Um, so let's say you go to bankrate.com and you see that Capital One Bank actually has a pretty good interest rate APR, which is um, annual percentage. So let's say you're going to go put it, put your money in there. So if you put $100, and we're going to say it's got a 2% interest rate. If you put $100 per month, uh, so $50 a paycheck, you're getting paid every other week, $100 per month into that savings account, what happens is it's earning money every time you're putting money in. So when you've got, um, say, a 2% interest rate, over the course of 12 months, now you have $1,200 in there. It's going to earn 2% on that. And now the 2% that's going to, hold on, I'm using my big calculator on here. So now you've got $24 that you've earned. Now it's $1,224. And now any other money that you're adding on, it keeps adding on, right? It keeps adding on top of itself. So you've got, uh, you know, $100, it's earned $2 of interest. So now you have $102, $102, now you've added $100, now it's $202, now you've got 2% on $202. So that was the annual you know, way of looking at it. And then, yeah. <laughs> so uh, sort of shifting over to more of what goes on uh, in your work uh, and what you've seen uh, in your profession. So I was wondering, like, what's a common mistake that you see 
your prospects and your clients like frequently making that causes them to like be in that worst financial shape? And what can like other people uh, do to sort of avoid that? Yeah. Um, so when I'm working with my clients and I've already kind of shared with them why we do the things we do, that's been top of mind. But when it starts to be kind of removed and you just get, you might start to go back into some spending patterns because maybe we work together for a little bit and then you're kind of on your own. You're thinking, okay, I can do this. And then somebody's birthday comes up and you went to go quickly get them a gift. But it was more, it wasn't in, you know, your budget because you forgot about it. Um, and then your, your friends invited you to go out to eat and you haven't seen them for a while. Notice I'm giving you reasons. I'm giving you rationalizations. You haven't seen them for a while. So you want to go out to eat. The birthday you forgot about, but guess what? Birthdays come up every year. Fascinating how that happens. So there's different things that you need to do to really set yourself up and plan ahead. Um, I just recently presented a workshop to a company where so much of just ways that we can beat inflation and expenses is if we plan ahead. It's not sexy, but it helps us and it helps remove, remove the human behavior side. So that's where I've really seen more of you know, if you're not planning ahead, it may be going, so say your buddies are like, hey, let's go out to eat. Oh, all right, cool. Where do you want to go? The person names the restaurant. You can easily go to the restaurant website, check out the menu before you go. You can call the restaurant the day of, find out what their daily specials are. You can ask them um, if, if it came, you know, if say there's a child's meal, if you were so in inclined to get that, Maybe you could do that. Your buddies might make fun of you, but guess what? It's a smaller portion. Half the time, at least when we're at restaurants, we get way too much food as it is. And are you going to brown bag it and bring it home? You've paid for it. You might as well get the food. So there's all these things that we can do to plan ahead and then really then honor ourselves and honor our future selves by saying, you know what? I'm going to stick to this. So maybe I'm going to order an appetizer instead of the entree. And I'm going to ask for the appetizer to be brought out with all my buddies' entrees. I'm still saving some money. And maybe it's that when I'm out to eat, you know, if I just tell them, look, money's tight right now, you guys. I really love it if we could all do individual checks. Nobody likes to bring it up, but guess what? We are in a very high inflationary environment right now. And it makes it a little easier because everybody's going through it. So there's all these things that we can do. But again, it goes back to that human behavior. We're used to going from point A to point B. We're used to ordering DoorDash. We're used to saying yes to our friends who want to go out to eat all the time. If you can change the script a little bit and change what you want to do to better yourself, it's just going to empower you that much more. So um, like for what I take away from that, it's, it's almost like uh, when people start to feel comfortable, I guess, like when I guess they just started off and then they feel like, okay, like I'm good now and I don't really need to do it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to spend my money now. And I think, I think that's a problem when people sort of get into the spaces, they don't realize it's a long-term game. Uh, it's, it's not just for like one month or two months. It's, it's really for years down the line because it's not just like, okay, if I just, you know, save a little bit of money now, I, I can just spend as much as I want later. Um, it's, it's, it's a habit and you have to sort of keep that habit and, or else uh, we're going to return to those natural human impulses. And uh, those are going to sort of, you know, 
drain our like uh, monthly income and it's, it's really going to end up in worse shape. Um, so is, is that sort of what you see uh, going on with most of your clients? Yeah. And like, so let me give you an example. Yes. They, not all my clients, some clients are like, you know, yes, I've got it. I, I learned what I need to learn. I'm going to continue down that path. Some people start, maybe start, go back to what they'd done before, because again, they're, you know, they're like, oh, I remember this from before. Yay. And, but I will tell you, that's where, again, removing that human behavior, it helps so much. So case in point, I had a client who I was working with and we were doing a check-in and it had been at least a month since I talked to him and he had set up automatic transfers to a separate account. And he said, Maggie, I almost didn't want to meet with you because I've spent so much money. My family come in town. I've had so much money spent and I, you know, I don't know what, what, what else to say. So we took a look at some of his balances and he completely forgot that he had this other separate bank account, just didn't even register because it was automatic transfers. It was, he got paid, it got sent out to the other bank. So he was so excited because he said, I didn't, I was going to go and visit family back home. I didn't think I had any money for an airline ticket. And I'm looking at my travel account that I set up. It's got $857 in it. And I didn't even remember it. So it's really, sometimes you just got to remove the human piece of it out because we get tempted. We want instant gratification, you know? And so if you can remove that a little bit and then still allow yourself, yeah, you can still have those splurges, but pay yourself first you know, set it up so that you're, you're paying yourself first, you're getting to what it is you truly value for your future, and you get to splurge for your present too. And the best part about paying yourself first, like you said, is you get everything that you want, and then your own inner drive and motivation, and frankly, the necessity that you need to have money will kick in, and you will start to make sure that you earn that much more and be better off. And one unique thing that I thought about as like a financial planner when you're helping out a client, you're giving them, you know, or as like a coach too, right? You're helping them in the short term, you know, telling them what to do. So once you're ob- obviously your goal as a financial coach is that you want, you want to help them develop good habits. Once they develop the good habits, I wonder, do you still work with the client? Does a client still need you, you know, in any sense, like in the short term, or do they then shift over to the long term? What's like the transition, like once you see them actually develop the good habits? Great question. If they develop the good habits, then I say, you know, if you're ready to move to comprehensive financial planning, we can absolutely talk about that. Um, and if if they're not, then that's where I do offer ongoing financial coaching. So I offer financial coaching packages, but then once they're done, they may need some help. So like I just got an email from one of my coaching clients and she said, I did really well in July the beginning of August is a little bit of a whirlwind and I need some help. So can we set up a coaching call? You know, so it may be that, you know, she, she and I still work together coaching for some time and then she can feel like, okay, I can maybe go and start working on, you know, with Maggie on comprehensive financial planning. And that being said, I also let people know that I might not be the financial planner for them. There are thousands of financial planners. And again, I know so many because of just the networking I do, I'm happy to get more information and find, you know, maybe find two to three financial planners who I would recommend and say, this might be a better person because 
I think that's the other thing, you know, it's a blue ocean. There's so many people, there's money. We don't need to be territorial. And so, but I, so I can offer that for sure. If I see those good habits forming and, and being formed, but it doesn't have to be me. It can absolutely be somebody else as well. Or like what I brought up earlier, it might be then returning them to that financial planner who referred me in the first place. Um, thank you, Maggie, so much. I think what you're doing and your organization is really awesome and you're spreading awareness about personal finance and it really is powerful. Uh, so as, as we wrap up this interview, uh, I just wanted to ask uh, for any of our listeners, is there anywhere where they can find you or, or get in contact with you? Yeah, so thank you so much for this opportunity. This was great. Um, if anybody's interested, they can go to my website, which is makeamoneymindshift.com. And if they are interested in possibly working with me, they can click on the connect with me button on my website. It'll schedule a call. And that is a free call. And I just listen and say, you know, what's going on? What's going on in your life that you may feel that you may want to work with someone in financial coaching? And then we just go from there. You can also go ahead and find me on LinkedIn, as well as Facebook and um, Instagram, all at Make a Money Mindshift. Thank you so much, Maggie. We look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you guys so much for making it to the end. If you learned something, make sure to share this episode with your friends, leave a review, and follow our Instagram at Money Made Easy Pod to stay updated for the latest content. We'll see you guys in the next episode.